millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome back to the Holt cast. It's time to dive into Aston Villa's 3-0 win over Arsenal at the Emirates Stadium. Well, well, Villa fans, football is once again fun for Aston Villa Football Club. Arsenal nil, Aston Villa three finishes at the Emirates. Uh, A very pleasing evening or afternoon, depending where you are in the world, uh, to be a Villa fan. But nonetheless, Cole Pedham here as always. And as always, Danny Raza is here as well. Danny, how are you doing? Return to normality, isn't it? I'm good. I'm good, Cole. Another Villa win. Our fifth of the season. And I'm starting to get used to it. I, I sensed a little bit of a questioning about the fifth of the season fire with a little bit of a drag on the fifth. Uh, is that more of a sense <laughs> of, uh, is that actually true or are you just kind of forgetting? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm forgetting. It's a Sunday night, dude. It's, it's, 10, it's 10 o'clock. I'm trying to remember my math, but I am in, I am in fact correct. So it doesn't matter. Fair enough. I just had to double check. And of course, <laughs> it's not just me and Danny. We have... Once again, I will say it, and this will be his new nickname for us, the Irish legend himself, Neil Dunworth. Neil, how are you? I'm good, guys. I'm good. I'm uh, feeling good after that game. Yeah, I didn't expect it. Those unexpected wins on Sunday evenings are uh, we're becoming too accustomed to them, I think. Can we play all our games? I, I sent out a tweet yesterday, and I was giving out about the fact there was another Saturday and another game of Villa football. And uh, yeah, we go away and uh, we beat Arsenal. On a Sunday night, I'm never going to complain about Villa not playing on a Saturday ever again because all we do is win when we play on a Sunday evening. Oh, yeah, my old, my old man said exactly the same thing, and I I hadn't even hadn't even noticed that Sunday nights really are becoming a thing, and like maybe it's that black kit as well, just getting lost in the darkness, you know. Arsenal probably couldn't <laughs> see us coming. <laughs> it, it definitely could be, Danny. It's kind of interesting because. Personally, like it's a 2 p.m. or 2.15 p.m. kickoff. Once again, I still don't understand these quarter pass kickoffs. But anyways, um, so it's not that bad over here. But for you guys, like it must be a killer in some aspects. But anyways, of course, like I said before, 3-0 to the Villa. A sack own goal in a Watkins double sees us go back to sixth place. We have a plus nine goal differential, 15 points, five wins out of seven. Our best start to the Premier League since 98-99. So there are some accurate stats for you, and I'm glad I wrote those down right. So yay me. And here's another interesting stat. Let's get into this first before we actually get into the game because this is unbelievable in my opinion because I would have never imagined this, especially with our form last season away. We are 3-0 and so far away. Seven goals for, zero against, I should say. Neil, I'll come to you first. How impressed are you with that stat? That's that's amazing. That's that's absolutely the flip reverse of what happened last year with this team. We couldn't we couldn't score away from one. We could but we couldn't keep clean sheets away from one last year. Um there was that massive statistic coming up towards the end of the season whereby we uh we didn't have a clean sheet away from home in the Premier League since like 2015 or something mad like that. Um obviously we had years out of the Premier League, but 
it's crazy. And now we've flipped it on, on its head and very much so because of structured football at the back, structured back four, our fullbacks are allowed to get, get ahead and a very, very much so a nice little wall in front of our midfield, which worked today and has worked in countless other games this season and in most of the other games this season, bar leads. Our, our wall had worked and barred the first half against Southampton. So it just goes to show that when we play play structured football, we are a match for very much any team in this league. Um, but when we don't play structured football, we can see goals uh, at, 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 at the other team's mercy, should I say, like we saw in those two bad halves of football, the 45 minutes against Leeds and the 45 minutes against Southampton. But... The, the statistic is amazing. It was only when you said it to me beforehand. I know the commentators, I was watching, a, it was actually streamed, uh, or not streamed, it was actually on TV here in Ireland um, on a channel called Premier Sports One. And uh, I had the absolute pleasure, sarcastic voice, of <laughs> having uh, Kenny Cunningham, who is now ex-Ireland international, commentating. Now, Kenny Cunningham is, what he says is very intelligent, but he's got a very droll and charismatic voice. And sometimes I tune out. <laughs> but he did mention at one stage that we were uh, we, we hadn't conceded a goal, goal at home all this season or away from home all this season. And that it was quite, quite astounding that that was still the case. But uh, to hear that, uh, to hear it again in a in a more charismatic voice from yourself, Paul, it, it meant more coming from you, put it that way. Oh well, I'll I'll take that, Danny. I'll come, <laughs> Danny. I'll come straight to you. What, in your opinion, what's changed, especially the away form from last season to this season? I think we just know how to defend. Which I mean, Simple. we watched the last. <laughs> I know, seriously, like I think you watched the last two games, and obviously, um, you probably don't come to the same conclusion. But in general, you know, when 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 we are wide awake and when the intensity is there, Villa know how to defend, and I think. Um, it's interesting as well, just because because we 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 almost seem to have Arsenal, for example, today, just so on edge, because they knew that any time they pushed ahead to us, we we had Watkins and we had Grealish ready to just dip in behind and and, and Barkley as well today. So there's all there was always that threat as well, but uh, yeah, I think I think when McGinn's on form, when Douglas is on form, uh, when when Matty Cash is. Uh, is jockeying for fun. He gave he gave Aubameyang a really hard time today. Uh, yeah, I think I think Villa just defensively are are a lot better. And I, I genuinely think just a large part of that is just being better in terms of going forward as well. It's that is that is seriously it's an underplayed thing, um, and and often it's said a lot in terms of you know oh if you attack you know it's the best form of de- defense. Well, offense is the best best form of defense, but in general it just means that. Villa aren't under pressure like that all the time. Last season, there was never anything going forward and and the defence just... It felt like the entire game was a defensive drill. I, we don't feel like that anymore. And I think that's uh, I think that's got to be the main thing. Why why it's so exceptional, or why the defence has been so good compared to everybody else, I genuinely couldn't tell you. But my inkling is that the big difference between now and... The first part of last season, pre-lockdown, probably Craig Shakespeare, and I, I, that's that's what I kind of point towards. Yeah, no, that's fair. Like all I could ever say on it is, and I think we've seen this since Project Restart is it was just kind of a back to basics thing, and we've seen it since then. It's doing the simple things right. It's taking your time on the ball and not making silly decisions. Of course, every team still has the odds 
stupid, silly, whatever you want to call it decision. We saw that today and we got away with a couple of them, but nonetheless, when things are going for you, they're going for you. And I guess we'll, we'll kind of switch that whole aspect of what I just said to what didn't go for us. And it's hard to be, I don't want to be too negative today, but this is one of the most ridiculous things in my mind I've probably ever seen. Um, and I've seen some ridiculous things. John McGill McGinn in the first, what, 40, 50 seconds. It's within the first minute of the game scores an absolute banger set up from the likes of Jack Grealish. And it's called off for offside with Ross Barkley interfering apparently with Burnt Leno, even though he's like 10 feet away from him. Neil, I'll come to you first. What are your thoughts on this? Cause like it still boggles my mind how this is waved off. Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, like, Yes, okay, if the ball goes in and it goes underneath Burnt Leno or if it goes underneath uh, Ross Barkley's feet and Leno has to react quickly, yes, he would have been interfering with play or he would have been interfering with the goalkeeper's eye line. There's no way. If Leno was, if Leno had uh, two hockey sticks in his hand, he wasn't going to save, save in that ball. He would have needed to extend himself by about four feet to be able to save that ball. It was just a banger. It was right in the top corner. Um Look, by letter of law, we saw what happened with Bamford yesterday. Like, by letter of law, if, if Vara sees someone offside, they're just going to call the ball offside. You know, there's, there's, there's like what we wanted last year is we wanted more thought to go into VAR. We wanted them to execute it in a way whereby they executed, they, they made the decision from a point of view of the standing of the game, how the game was going, what was happening within the game. Whereas what we're seeing now is they're saying, right, this person had half their shin offside no goal and what they've done is they've actually got more stringent in their rules as opposed to, as opposed to looking at it more from a um from a clear and obvious error once again you go back to the clear and obvious error it took them four minutes to make the decision and apparently we're supposed to believe it was a clear and obvious error so for me that's like like it, it is what it is i don't care we won three nil what about it but it's just the premise of the whole thing for me yeah, is but- yeah. Surely, surely it's a black and white thing, though. It's off, it's either offside or it's not offside. And by the letter of the law, he's offside. So you know, surely there's no subjectivity in it. Yeah, he was offside. He was, but when begin, like he wasn't interfering with play. Yeah, like, but if we, it... you know, you know, like like there's sets of rules. There's sets of rules out there. It says interfering with play. It says clear and obvious error. There wasn't clear and obvious error there for me. I, I, I don't know. Like you, you look at the shot. The shot's a banger from from again. Like there's no way a goalkeeper saving it. A man's offside and he wasn't interfering with play. You know what's what's the big deal? Look, it 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 doesn't affect us. We won three 0 I think like we're never going to have a game whereby VAR is used, whereby everybody's gonna gonna agree with it because the laws are written in such an ambiguous way, and they're written in an ambiguous way. So the referee is a cop out all the time. And and look, the fact that it takes four minutes to come up with a clear and obvious error—that's the problem here. So like having wording like that in there is the problem. That's what I I'm saying. To- Get rid of wording like that there. And then it's it makes makes 100% sense to everybody. But they have the ambiguous law-driven, legal-driven words in there. And for me, it just gives it just gives people cop-outs. And as I say, I'm all for it. If, if it's a case of, listen, have it. Have it as offside or have it not as offside. But we, we, you don't get it that way all the time. You know, it's, it's not, it's, it's literally not employed in, in the way that the, that the game should be done because of the ambiguous wording. I disagree with you in that, in that it's not a cop out, right? Because so, I I, I can I can understand, I can I can understand why where why we were upset because I was upset as well at it being disallowed because at the end of the day, 
you know, it's 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 not something that would have ever been questioned pre pre VAR. So I, I totally get that. But why I give plaudits the referee for that is at the very least he went up to the monitor. He didn't have to do that. He could have taken it for gospel from the VAR from from the guys up in the room. He went to the monitor. There's the cop out, Danny though. The cop out is that the guys above VAR guys up there that are looking at it, they've drawn the lines, call the referee over for it. For me, that's that's like basically the referee has to make that decision for me. I think that I, I think that the boys above stairs just said no goal. If that's the that's the point. Like if it was that obvious, mm. then the boys should have said no goal. Like drawing, drawing, dragging the referee over there for for pageantry and pomp just to come over and look at the screen to call, go back and say, yeah, I made the decision on my own. I don't know. I, I think I think they've made it too convoluted from it. I'm right. I know what you're saying. It's it, look if if it is offside, it is offside, you know. But it's the fact that the 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 ambiguity of it and the whole we're going to be like Robbie, we're going to bring you over here. You have to make the final decision. For me, that's a lot of bollocks. To be honest, I think, I think, yeah, I think I think without droning on about it, I think I think you know the the Leeds decision as well this weekend is probably just it's it's just amplified yeah. that a bit as well. It's just it's it's getting to the point where it's like okay, well. Yeah. Like Michael how Richard many, how many absolutes before, are there? Michael Richards said beforehand, I don't want to be talking about VAR. And then for 10 straight minutes, he spoke about VAR. Like it's impossible not to talk about it because it's so subjective. It's so ambiguous. And like, it's like when you've got, like when the whole game is looking at it and going, that's the stupid offside. I don't know. It's, it's just, it's just one of those things with VAR. I don't think we'll ever be happy with it. We cried about it. I wanted it for 20, 20, 20 years. And now that it's come in, I, 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 I just can't enjoy goals anymore. You know, it's it, uh, sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And I think that's why that's what brings my frustration into it is that I wanted it so much from looking at rugby, looking at the NFL and stuff like that and how it was implemented and how it clears up all a lot of 99 percent of the issues. Um, but what it does here is it's still subjective. It's still objective. It's still it's still uh takes into account emotion and feeling from a lot of things like Bruno Fernandez penalty last year and stuff like that. So I think that's, that's where it comes from for me. I'm going to be honest is that I'm disappointed in how badly it's turned out from the point of view of how much of an effect it's had in the game when I was convinced it wouldn't be, it wouldn't have that much of an effect. That's, that's really why I get so annoyed at it. No, that's that's more than fair, guys. Like that was a really good chat and debate on it as well, and that's very insightful. So hopefully, <laughs> listeners actually enjoy that because it's good to have people disagree and agree on different things. Like that's the whole point of a podcast, in my opinion. But I think the one thing, guys, and we'll move on here really quickly. The one thing that bugs me most is when I heard a commentator say. Um, basically it's being deemed this way and this could be an interpretation that's wrong in their way. Basically they were just saying, well, is it, is he in like, I don't know. Is is it harming Leno from making a save? Is this stopping a goal saving opportunity? And I'm thinking, well, first of all, like the issue with that question now is that people can take that 10 different ways. So now with VAR, people are going to probably start wondering, well, how many different instances and how many different probabilities are there where goalkeepers can be affected from making a save. So once again, it's another conundrum when it comes to VAR, but let's, let's move on. Cause we did win and I don't want to make this too negative. Um, let's get- <laughs> <laughs> Literally people are going to be like, I'm depressed now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I, I use that. I use that as a bit of therapy for myself to get over the, the fact that I was wrong about VAR when it was first brought in. Sorry for dragging it all down. Well, 
the, the, the funny thing is though when that happened i'm literally thinking as like the editor of this podcast i'm thinking okay what am i going to use as a headline am i going to say like var ain't a friend or something like that and then we win three nil so i can't use that because that's way too negative but nonetheless um obviously let's get on to the first goal of course uh and we can kind of tie this whole topic into it too, because Danny, I'll come to you first. How good in your opinion were Grealish, Barkley and target today on that left-hand side in particular, because <laughs> we saw it like literally ripping Bellerin a new one. I don't know how many times the right side literally for Arsenal could not handle it. And it's, it's brilliant to see. And of course this goal comes through target, just laying it right across the box. And of course it comes in, Saka knocks it in his own net. I'm I'm so gutted for Trezeguet because that guy literally has a residency at every back post in the Premier League. And it would have just been lovely to see it. But nonetheless, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it was, it was like, I remember, I, I just remember thinking, what is going on here? Just that, the build up to that goal, right? Because it's like Jack has the ball. He holds it. Has it for about three, <laughs> for about three or four seconds. Doesn't really move. Barkley picks up the ball. Same thing. Back to Grealish, and it it just carries on like that forever. And suddenly, Target just finds his way through that Arsenal defense and rips it across. And it was just interesting because Arsenal had all their men back, didn't they? And I'm just thinking, right, there's no way we're we're making it through here. Surely, a defender gets a deflection, goes out for a throw in or a corner, but no. And I just thought that first goal was brilliant because of that. You know that the way that they just persevered and was so patient with it and and eventually found that and yeah Trezeguet at the back post oh th- this this guy's brilliant I really do like him I, I I was I remember saying during the game he almost feels like we've got a striker on the right wing you know you've got somebody who can finish who's over there granted he hasn't had the goals yet this season but all his hard work all of that you know it's all it all makes it worth it and, that, and the fact that he manages to create so many chances for himself yeah no it was it was it was a, it was a terrific goal Oh, 100%. And we'll, we'll kind of move things on here quickly because there's a bunch of other topics I want to discuss on. So, Neil, I'll come to you. We'll kind of wrap Ollie Watkins' goals kind of into a group here because, of course, there was two. The first coming from mm. just a short little header from, I believe, the left-hand side. Nice little header into the center of the net. Uh, great presence there, a great run. Then you go into the second goal. Just a great counterattacking play and well done to Jack Grealish for running like a million miles there to basically set that up perfectly. And of course that leaves us with the three nil scoreline. So Neil kind of two part question here. What are your thoughts on those kind of two goals as it is? And what are your thoughts on Ollie Watkins? The man has what six goals and an assist so far in this Premier League season. I got him. I got a message above five minutes before his first goal. And I want to talk about his first goal because I think his first goal is, could be the best goal we scored this year so far. Um, but uh, I got a message from one of my mates, Liverpool support mate. He goes, what the F has Ollie Watkins done all season? I'll tell you what he's done. All he did was score a hat-trick against us. And then it was like FFS at the end of it. Two, five minutes later, Ali Watkins gets the, gets the first header. And then obviously uh, he got the second goal afterwards. But um, he had some fantastic touches today. His hold-up play is brilliant. You know, he he went to war with uh, with Gabriel today and he went to war in the air with Gabriel and he took some balls out of the sky with fantastic touch. He was able to lay it off and was gone back for more. Um, I was critical last year of Wesley when he was playing up there that he felt he had to go to war with, with centre-halves and he wasn't quite sure how to do it in, in uh, with, with the strength that Premier League centre-halves are, or that centre-halves in the English game have, should I say. Ollie Watkins has that and he's very much more diminutive guy than, than Wesley is. Um, 
so it's going to be really interesting. I can't wait to see the, the dynamic between the two of those when, when Wesley does come back. But Watkins was fantastic. That first goal for me was an absolute peach. Douglas Louise picks out an unbelievable raking ball. in like It was put straight into that corridor of uncertainty. The goalkeeper couldn't come for it. Centre-halves couldn't get their heads in it. And it just landed to Ross Barkley at the back post. And what did Ross Barkley do with that volley across the box? Like, if you try that a million times... It only comes off probably about 10. It was ridiculously good. It was the most, it was a perfect volley cross across the box. And I know Watkins was only, what, three yards out, but he still had a defender on him and he had to be brave and put his head in there last year. And even at the start of this year, we had uh, El Ghazi uh, a couple of times try to put it, when he could have put his head on the ball, went to his foot and so on and, and put it, skewed it up and over the bar. Ollie Watkins put his head on it, and that goal for me was fantastic. I, I love Ollie Watkins. I really, really like what he's doing. I really like what he brings to the team, and he allows us to counter-attack. The third goal as well was exactly that. Ollie Watkins never never give up spirit. Uh, Jack Grealish, we know he has it. Jack Grealish is a treasure. We just need to love him. You know, Every English football fan should love Jack Grealish, and that's a lot coming from an Irish football fan, considering that we've there was a time when we thought he could be our treasure, uh, but not anymore, <laughs> and it's going to be a small bit bittersweet when he, uh, when he tags out for England uh, and Ireland play England on th- this coming Thursday, and we're going to have Declan Rice and Jack Grealish most likely in the midfield up against their the their uh, their other adopted nations, should I say? Um, but anyway, less of that. Uh, Jack Grealish was fantastic. He had lung busting run, got onto the ball, used his weight very well to kind of just nudge the defender, played a lovely ball in, and Ali Watkins scores. You know, so it's it's for for me. The you know he's he's got something like every time he shoots. What is it? Every time he shoots on target. Sorry, 50% of the time he shoots on target, he scores. And 20% of the time he actually shoots, he scores. So like he's got some, he's got ridiculous efficiency, efficiency stats. Yeah. So a lot of people might be, but a lot of other fans, as I say, would be critical of him saying that he doesn't really do much, doesn't get into shooting positions and stuff. But when he does, he's bloody pinpoint and he's spot on. Um, But that first goal that he scored was just, the build-up play for me was just outrageous. Outrageous. Yeah, I thought like... I thought I thought as well. Just in, this was this was Watkins. I think this was a big game for him. This was a massive game for him, massive because you know, apart from the Liverpool game, he hasn't scored a goal from open play in the Premier League. Mm. And I don't want to, um, I I don't I don't want to justify this, but there were people who were doubting him already, and he proved today that. He's not a one-game wonder. Like this, this guy, this guy is brilliant. He really is. And I, nobody can call us a one-man team anymore. I don't care what anybody no. says. You start looking at the statistics. You start looking at uh, contributions to to goals. Um, I think I think Watkins has, has, has contributed to like thirty-three percent of Villa's goals or something like that. Um, and you know you can't you can't say that we're a one man team anymore because Watkins brings a lot of what Grealish offers but he's he's got he's got something else about him he's got a different flavor about him we finally have somebody who can attack the ball with their head and is good at their feet and uh, yeah no I thought personally brilliant game from him I just want to put I just want to bring in an interesting an, an interesting uh, fact as well that I was just re- I was look, just looking up did you know that um, Villa have the I think the biggest shot uh, the highest shots per game. Um, after Liverpool, really, which is crazy. 
Yeah, after after Liverpool, Villa have the highest shots per game. Oh, we're, and we're just, I think we're just you know, good you, this year. You talk, <laughs> yeah, we are. You talk about you know the goals that are being scored, and it's like you know that that helps, isn't it? You've got Grealish, Grealish having a goal. You've got Barkley having a pop. You've got Watkins having a pop. Trezeguet as well. I just thought our entire front line had a good game today. Even even Trezeguet winning the ball back, you know, high up the pitch and distributing it to Barkley, you know, fair enough. He slips it across. It doesn't end up reaching uh, the back of the net because it's cleared off the line. But just the forward line in general today was, was brilliant. We just need to see more of that. And that's why we can't be defending. And that's why we can't come out against Leeds and Southampton like we didn't get nervous because we have our own batch of defenders, uh, of, sorry, of attackers that can do damage. And we really need to utilize that. Oh, 100%. I, I think the biggest kind of caveat for me and the biggest bonus that I look at for this season is last season, up until the Arsenal game, ironically, we just couldn't beat a quote-unquote top six big team. You know what I mean? This yeah, season, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we're just scalping them. We're just taking them to the woodshed. Man City, watch out. I'm not going to say that because we're going to get probably hammered now <laughs> that I said that. But anyways, um, Neil, I'll come to you. Uh, we'll we'll kind of add this as the last question, and then we'll get on to men of the match and just a few last notes so we can get you guys out of here in a timely manner. Um, Emmy Martinez, this is a big deal for him. This is a big match for him, and it's it's a clean sheet. What were your thoughts on his performance today? I know he didn't really have to do a lot in terms of save-wise, but what were your thoughts on his performance today? I love when Emmy Martinez, when that cross goes to the back post, and Emmy Martinez comes off his line and... It looks like it's just going to go over his fingertips. He always finds a way to stretch that bit further and catch the ball. Like the safety that the man, like it's, it's, it's a skill that a lot of goalkeepers, I'm going to call him a continent goalkeeper. I know he's from, from South, South America, but like he's, you can, you can see that he does, that he's been brought up in the right way because he was young when he came to Arsenal and he would have had, uh, I think he would have had Jerry Payton as his, uh, as his uh, goalkeeper coach at one stage. I can't remember who the other Arsenal goalkeeper coach was in there. Uh, the reason I know Jerry Payton is he was a sub-goalkeeper for Ireland for years, but, uh, and really renowned goalkeeping coach as well in, in within the Premier League, especially under Arsenal Wenger. Um, but Emmy Martinez was brought in there and he seems to have been taught how to play football, how to play as a goalkeeper without any fear. And I know that can be a bit counterintuitive, but when he goes to goes up to catch a ball, he's going to catch the ball. You know, he's not going to flap it. He's not going to have to push it um, around, try and maybe flap it, palm it over the defender behind him to, to get it out of danger. I'm very confident in him. Um, his distribution is fantastic as well. How many times have we seen this year that he just he just pings the ball and it lands maybe about three feet in from the sideline and one of our guys gets ahead in it and, and, and it sets up an attack. So it funnels everybody over to that side of the field. Full, sorry, one of the two central midfielders that they have over to this side of the field. We win the header and it comes back into, mid, into the middle of midfield. We're there. We know where the ball is going. We can pick it up and we can try and try and get something running from there. But overall, he's, he's a steady ha- pair of hands. The seven goals we've conceded in the last few games, of those seven goals, as I said before, five of them were worldies. There was no way he was saving them. I'm very, very happy with Emmy Martinez. And as I say, especially what the, the command of his box from corners is, is just superb. And you can see he's really done his apprenticeship as a goalkeeper. I was saying this before as well. Like, I I wouldn't be surprised if you know, say Jack Grealish and and, and Tyrone Mings are you know, God forbid, injured one game. Yeah, I could see Emmy Martinez stepping up as Villa yeah. captain. He's, he seems like a captain. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, 100%. I agree. I agree. Hundred percent. It's just that you know we've got a commanding leader in in goal right there. And to be fair, one of the things we do need to get better at in terms of, I mean, is 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 
you know, reaching those goal kicks a little bit better. But I think the long ball as well, you know, you talk about Martinez and his goalkeeping effort today. The long ball from Villa today was key, really was key. Arsenal, for whatever reason, I don't know, you know, talk about Mikel Arteta being Pep Guardiola's tactical, um, you know, apprentice or whatever. But what on earth possesses you to play five at the back against Villa? I'm sorry. It was just, it was just, it was just silly. And having your, having your fullback so far forward, because Watkins, Grealish, Trezeguet, they were having fun out there. So was Barkley. And a lot of that was because of the long balls. Just going, just, you heard Watkins in the post game, in the post game interview, he said, he said that Villa were basically told to just cut the lines. Yeah, he also yeah. said he was an Arsenal fan yeah. too. So that's new. <laughs> he did. Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. Well, so, I, he, so, I think he, so he knows how bad they are. <laughs> yeah. I think he always said he was he used to be an Arsenal fan because he used to love Thierry Henry as his idol as well. So uh, I remember that's what he used to, that's what he said when he, he was at Brentford and he moved in to play a central striker. He said, that's what he always wanted to do to emulate Thierry Henry, come in off the wing and, and, and play as a central striker. And, Fingers crossed we have a Thierry Henry in our hands, guys, because that would be pretty fun for the next few next few years. Oh, imagine that sale. Oh, 100 million plus. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's the thing, um, isn't it? Yeah. If we move now, it would be, be that kind of money. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, before we get to the man of the match, guys, I just remembered, uh, of course, I always ask you guys to tweet us at 7500 to hold on Twitter just to get your thoughts on the match. So I'll just go through quickly and read out a few. Um there's over, I think, 13 of you that responded. So thank you very much. Uh, we'll start with at 123BBQ123. The man loves a barbecue, apparently. Um, unless that's your initials. I apologize. But anyways, um, even though McGinn's goal was wrongly disallowed, Arsenal looked shocked at how easy Villa could get through on goal. The work rate of McGinn and Trezeguet is so important. Uh, there is no comparison between Villa's front three to Arsenal's. Watching Grealish in this form is amazing uh at adam clarker saying beyond what we already knew our attacking mids are great we can defend if we put our mind to it uh the best sign was what or signing was watkins um tough game like last week had spells today where he was isolated did the work and got two great goals hope the target boo boys finally wake up and we'll finish with uh at Andy Phillip Day saying uh, that performance after the last two losses showed belief, energy, and joy in football from every player on the pitch. So once again, thank you guys very much for getting involved. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, Danny, before we kind of move on to further things and pastures new, who is your man of the match? It's got to be Ollie, isn't it? It's got to be Ollie Watkins. Uh, I think had another brilliant game, by the way, just just heading into the international break where he has been selected by Southgate. And I think even Gareth Southgate starting to believe in him now. Um, Grealish had a very good game. I think Bar- Barkley as well had a very good game. You know, that guy's changing position every single... Like, is he really a central midfielder or is he a striker or is he a CDM? I don't know at this nope. point yet. Uh, but I thought Barkley had a very good, had a very, very good game in terms of what he created. But yeah, I think it's got to be Ollie because that diving header that he scored, you know, the, 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 that that first of all is one of those things that only a top class striker seems to be able to do these days. Um, and also that's that second finish as well with his left foot. Both of those both those goals, hey, very difficult, very, very difficult for a striker. I have to give him the plaudits and the way that he cut the lines, the way that he held up the ball and distributed and, and contributed to general play, even sometimes on the left wing whilst Barkley was up top almost. Yeah, it's got to be Ollie Watkins. Fair enough. Neil, how about you? I had Ross Barkley. I'm glad you gave him a mention. I thought Ross Barkley was brilliant today. And that's exactly as you said, Danny. Um, Ross Barkley played almost as a 10 today, or as a, as a second striker today. Um, 
I've been doing a lot of uh, over the last two games, and, and I leached back into the, into the Leicester game. Um, I've been doing a bit of analysis on on player positions and where they picked up, and see if we changed anything from our setup against Leeds and Southampton that may have made us susceptible uh, because we were playing at home. And there was a few positional changes from Douglas Louise and John McGinn. But what I noticed in all the games so far, that Ross Barkley has almost been standing on Ali Watkins' toes um, for the majority of the game. Because we've had a lot more possession, Ross Barkley can be that far forward. Now, we do see him back defending as well. So he does have to have a bit of an engine on him and get up and down the field. But the majority of the time when we're dictating the play, he is right up there alongside Ali Watkins. So maybe that might be might be throwing teams the fact that we're actually playing with two up top and they're expecting maybe Grealish to come in yep, yep, uh, to, yep, to, yep, to, yep. to be up there a bit more, but it's actually Barkley and they're like, what the fuck? Uh, you know, <laughs> no one said he was going to be We here. played a 4-4-2, you know, so... Neil. We played a 4-4-2 today. I, I won't hear yep, anything else. We played a 4-4-2. Yeah, I'm convinced we did too. Uh, fair enough. Which okay. is great against the back five. Yeah, yeah, yeah literally. It worked to a peach if that's even a saying i don't know but anyways um my it mid of the match worked to know. a peach <laughs> it worked to a peach it worked to treat there we go how about that <laughs> i don't know um mid of the match i will you know what i'm gonna change it up this is a little kind of off topic but i'll go maddie target just to prove people wrong the only reason i say that his link up play with the likes of Grealish and barkley which we've previously previously mentioned was brilliant the overlapping was fantastic how many times that car- caught uh, arsenal off guard i should say um was astounding his play to set up the first goal was fantastic and to be honest he just kind of kept that whole left hand side in his back pocket so fair enough to him um i think he proved a lot of doubters wrong today so Fair enough to him. I'll give him the plaudits. But uh, Danny, do you have any uh, last minute uh, thoughts or anything? Well, I guess um, I, I think one of one of my big thoughts is that it's a big it's a big weekend. Villa fans should celebrate because not only did we pick up a big three 0 victory over Arsenal, but the Villa women also got their first win of the season. Big big win because it lifts them off the uh, you know off the off that bottom side of the table. Um, and yeah, two 0 win over. Brighton, I just want to get get that one out there. If you haven't if you haven't seen the goals, you should check them out because Anita Asante and um, Ramona Petzelberger both scored absolute like oh, conquers today. So check those out. But uh, I'm just it's, it's it's good to see Cole. It's good to see another three 0 win over Arsenal. We're becoming one of those teams um, that just on their day is either terrible or brilliant, and I haven't got a problem with that. Oh, absolutely. It's nice to see the men's and women's team both having success, not only in the same season, but on the same day as well. So congratulations to both of them, of course. But let's wrap this thing up, guys. Thank you very much to Danny and to Neil for joining me. If you want to find Danny on Twitter, it's at Razajourno. If you want to find Neil on Twitter, it's at Love McGraw Pod. Of course, if you want to tweet us, it's at 7500 to Holt. Thanks to our FPL sponsors, 1 to 11 kits. And of course, just the one little kind of mention of housekeeping. Uh, please do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast it just makes it easier for other people to find us and uh, basically it would just be nice to have some of you guys back since we've <laughs> moved uh, to the podcast feeds and it's very much appreciated to those who followed over but nonetheless guys let's wrap it up there and don't forget up the villa